Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Creating Eden podcast. I am your host, Eden, and today I have a really beautiful guest. I have Ellen Rose. I am so excited to dive into our conversation. We were just talking before we pressed record about how much energy is alive and buzzing for us right now. Um, So yeah, the story of how I met Ellen. We are both in Saga together. Saga is the writing group for women that I have shared about in this podcast before. Um, and immediately when I heard Ellen share her words, I was just like, I was just sucked in and I was like, I need to know this woman. (laughs) What (laughs) are you? What are you? I felt so deeply, like just so deeply drawn to you and so resonant with what you were sharing and just like, yeah, in awe of you, that first, uh, spoken or not, not spoken word, that first. It was spoken word, but that first Mm. open mic night was, yeah, when I was just like, oh, I am in awe of you. How did you write that? Who are you? Um, So welcome, Ellen. Thank Mm. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited. Mm, Me too. Yeah, the energy is really, yeah, really alive and really moving and yeah thank you for that welcome and that intro and yeah for for letting those words ignite you and spark something because it's it's always such an edge for me you know to to be witnessed in the writings that I share because they're they're so raw and they're so a part of my lived pain and human experience so to go in and being like I don't know how I'm going to be received in this and to know that it was you know, received so fully by you and that it was like, okay, I need to call her in. It was just, yeah, that's so beautiful. So thank you. That's like medicine for my heart. (laughs) Yeah. I remember, um, like you had shared a little bit of how nervous you were and you're like, yeah. And then -hmm. when you started speaking, I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Like you sounded so fluent and grounded. Mm like yeah if you you didn't say how if you didn't share how you're feeling in that moment I would have been like oh this is what you do like you just show up (laughs) words Mm. Uh, it was just it was so beautiful to witness Mm, thank you so much yeah and it's yeah there is so much nerves it's like funny when I'm when I'm in that channeling space or sharing my art I drop right in and sometimes it feels like two embodiments there's like Ellen the human who's like really nervous and not sure how it's gonna go and then I drop into that state and it's like okay like we're just in it um yeah it's it's so funny but it's, it's good to know that the nerves don't always come through yeah because I was definitely like shaking and yeah yeah and it was such a raw raw share and just yeah you know just to like preface maybe for people who are listening like it it was a spoken word story of when I was sexually assaulted and I'd only told that story to a couple really close sisters and the medicine was just so pulsating through me as like this spoken word was coming through as a part of my healing process, like turning that into words and into art was such a salve. Like I had already done such deep healing and intending work, like right when it happened and afterwards, but to be able to like 
you know, I think it was a year and a half later, I shared that story in Saga. And to be able to like a year and a half later, be grounded and resourced enough in my system to turn it into art and then to let myself be held and witnessed in that by a group of women. It was just, yeah, just so profound and so healing. And yeah, so yeah, I appreciate you and all the women who just received me in in that, in the intensity of it and the rawness of it. And yeah, it, it was it was healing for me for sure. Mm-hmm. A question is coming up for me that I would love to ask. Yeah. Um, writing that, did you did you meet any edges? Did you feel mm-hmm. like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say this, I shouldn't be writing mm-hmm. about this? Or what was your process if you yeah, care to share? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a really eh, you know. The only word that I can feel to encapsulate is just intense. Like it was just such an intense process. And it it was layers. Like I said, I, I did right when it happened, I did in immediate, you know, somatic and shamanic tending and was like fully devoted to showing up to what needed to happen in my body during and after. And then, you know, in that process. So, like I said, I had done a lot of healing, but there's something that happens over time when there's not as much of a charge and the nervous system, like I had worked really hard to expand my nervous system's capacity over the course of that time. So I had more resilience in my system to meet deeper layers of the healing process that I couldn't meet right after it happened, or even like the few months after it happened, it was still so fresh. And so through doing that tending and expanding, I was, I was brought into a deeper layer and that, that is the spiraled path, right. Of the feminine is we meet these things over and over and over as our capacity just grows. And so I was kind of unexpectedly brought into another notch in the spiral around the the grief and the, the trauma of the assault. And it was pretty soon, I think that was my first yeah, my first open mic in Saga. So I had just joined. And so the energy of like art and like feminine alchemy through art was just so alive in my being and my process. And so when it came up, I was like, I'm going to write about this. And it was the first place that I, I could share writings that like weren't for social media. Like this wasn't something I wanted to like blast on Instagram, you know, but now it was coming through of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to turn this into art and I'm going to be witnessed in it. And each line, each word was just somatically pulled from my body as I wrote it. Like it was a very visceral embodiment yes somatic embodied experience and there were lines where I was like grieving and I would write it out and I would be crying and wailing and shaking and angry and like all the things and so it was really birthed through like through the pain through the healing process it was so fucking messy and there were definitely parts that I was like can I share this can I write about this because you know, like my experience of that assault, like it was very human and it was also very multidimensional and mystical and and not mystical in the way of like, ooh, mystical, so pretty, like intense altered state mystical and like scary mystical. You know, there were points where I felt like, you know, what maybe someone might maybe akin to being on like plant medicine 
entirely sober within this experience. And so the fullness of sharing that it was like, I don't know if these women are going to believe me, if it's going to be understood. And I just had to find this place in myself that I was like, this is the truth. This is the truth of what happened. I know that in every cell of my body and how it's received is none of my business. They don't have to believe me. Like, that's okay. It's not my responsibility to like make them believe me or like get a certain outcome from sharing. It was like, I have to share this and I have to speak the full truth of it. And I want to be witness in this story to whatever capacity someone can receive me in, whether it's a breadcrumb of it or the full capacity. And yeah, so it definitely met a lot of edges and it is still to this day, like one of the most powerful things that I've, I've ever written because it was so raw. It was like birthed from the mud and from that lived experience and from the darkness and like letting myself be fully expressed in that in an artistic way was, yeah, it just made it so palpable for me to read like I read it back and I was like wow like that wow that came through me and to know that it was so received and so met and so felt like it was just something that clicked in my brain when when I shared it and then when the women received it in a way that I just did not expect you know I expected love and like acceptance but I didn't expect like the ripple effect that it had on every woman in the room and it was that like click for me of oh okay, like this is really what women are craving and like where the energy is so felt and it just stripped more of these parts of me where that I needed to sound a certain way or like any of these like put together, you know, pretty templates of like, I need to present this in this certain way and I need to be seen like this. And it was just like, like, I'm just like unleashing this and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, so beautiful. And I think that a few things came up for me as you were sharing. Mm. And the first one is that I see you in that process of, of it's, it's that direct, um, what word am I looking for? Like the, transformation or the alchemization of the energy emotion and the experience Mm -hmm. like pointed down channeled into those words Mm -hmm. um that how you shared you wrote that really mimics a lot of my own writing experiences Mm -hmm. uh being like in the depths of it as i'm writing it and that's why it's so healing Mm-hmm. is because we have a place to put that energy yeah. um we're um not getting lost in it there's mm-hmm. like okay I'm feeling all of this and I'm gonna turn it into something beautiful it is already beautiful in my perspective I'm like oh give me the raw the ugly the messy the mm-hmm. like yeah. give it to um and that like for me that is so beautiful mm-hmm. um but yeah, so I wanted to say I see you in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that, yeah, so many women are craving this. And for me, at least, I'm craving to witness somebody in it 
as my permission slip. And I feel like that's exactly what you gave me um, was permission to embody and express my own truth and my own art in the way that feels good and not even feels good, but feels like <laughs> to do this. <laughs> feels true. Feels, yeah. feels true. Exactly. Um, so I feel like, yeah, my, my projection is that you mm -hmm. were that flip of like, oh, I'm allowed. I'm allowed to be this raw. I'm allowed to be this messy. I'm allowed to, you know, pour myself into my art in this way. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you. Like, mm -hmm. thank that embodiment and that mm -hmm. permission flip because, yeah, it is, it is so it is so needed as much as I would love to say like, Oh, we don't need permission. We, we give ourselves permission. Like sometimes we do, we need to mm. see someone do it to know, Oh, okay. It's okay. It's safe for me to do that because she's doing it and she's doing it. They're doing it there, you know? Mm. So yeah, yeah. Like, thank you. Mm. Thank you so much for that reflection too. I just like really am receiving that in my heart and my womb. And it's, it's just such sweet medicine and salve for me to receive because yeah, like my, my path and embodiment and, and life is really so raw and so messy and so just like intensely feminine and I'm just like in the the primordial soup I call it the primordial soup like I'm just like in that and my my human sometimes is like oh is this is this too messy is this too raw like is this too feminine you know like I brush up against that so just and I know that it's my medicine and I'm, I'm shown that over and over, but it's, you know, like always a process to really accept it. And there's something else that happens. I'll speak for myself when like, I get those reflections of like the parts that maybe like, I'm still like, is it okay that I'm this messy and raw? Like, I know it is, but like, I don't know to hear that that's like the thing of like you being so messy, you being so raw and so vulnerable and so in this gave me permission to do the same like just receiving those words like brought like tears to my eyes because it's yeah it just takes it from like being in my process to being like oh this feminine messiness serves women and it's like again I know that in my womb and I've, I've lived that experience with women that I've served and like we remember and we forget and we remember and we forget so every time I hear it I'm like oh I remember okay yeah <laughs> Yeah. And that kind of reminds me of that nervous system expansion and the mm. class led in Saga. That was, mm -hmm. a thing. And it was really like, that was so divinely timed for me. Mm. My, I feel like every single <laughs> like <laughs> week in Saga, I'm like, how did they know? <laughs> how did they know what I need? And yeah. for me, it's like yeah. this that I am supposed to be in this space at this time um but that expanding the nervous system I think that witnessing other women do things that we are afraid to do is that expansion like oh oh it is it is safe and the more we see it the more safe we feel to be in that ourselves because yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and so that's what I was oh go sorry go ahead oh you go 
Yeah, what I was that was what I was feeling when you were saying that of like the permission slip. I was like, it's a nervous system piece too, because like everything, everything is paradoxical, right? So yes, we ultimately give ourselves full permission, and we do need other people to give us permission. It's it's both, and a part of that is 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 that primal nervous system of seeing someone else do it. Your nervous system automatically goes, oh, that's safe oh, it's safe. Oh, it's okay. Oh, I'm allowed to do that. So it's like instantaneous expansion. Of course, there's a process to like be able to fully embody it more, but just witnessing another woman in that expands the nervous system. And then when we're in friendships, mentorships, groups, communities with other women that are doing this, our nervous system entrains to theirs. So then we get like, the more we're around them, the more we expand just through being around women doing that. And so it's like, my expansion is your expansion and your expansion is her expansion. And like, we just create this, like, I just see this like circle, this orb around groups of women that we're just like expanding, expanding together. And yeah, it does that like on the nervous system level and the energy field and soul level. And we get to be that permission slip for each other. And that brings in that, that flavor of interdependence of like, we need each other to do this, you know? And it's, yeah, shedding more of that like hyper-independent lone wolf, I can do everything on my own and being like, yeah, maybe, but not really. And I don't need to, you know, yeah. like I- Right. And do I want to? And my answer to that question now is hell no. <laughs> I don't want to at all. The lone wolf has died over and over for me. Um, and yeah, it's just, oh, I'm just, this is just bringing me back over and over to just the medicine that women can be for each other. And when we gather and when we gather in vulnerability and rawness and radical permission, that that's the medicine. That's the medicine. Mm -hmm. that I love that you said that because that's exactly what was coming up for me and if you didn't say that I was going to Amazing. Um, <laughs> of gathering and it's not about you know what is specifically like happening in the gathering it's not about if it's like a women's circle last night I went to a prenatal village women's circle um, and it's not about like the content it's about yeah. the that happens mm. in um so yeah oh oh I love that um and it's it's just so beautiful to see it I feel like I'm seeing it so much more around me and I don't know if it's because I am more open and receptive to it now um that my perspective is shifting and I'm seeing it more um Probably. <laughs> I'll, I'll say yes, that's exactly why. Um, but I love that I'm seeing it. And it's it's this remembrance, uh, which continues to come up for me. It's not, this is not new. This is not like some new thing that we figured out like, oh, hey, this feels really good. We should keep doing this. It's like, no, this is ancient. Mm -hmm. This medicine, this wisdom is ancient. And we are remembering and when we sit and we gather and we feel how how like powerful and potent that is that is our bodies that's our cells remembering this is what we need this is what we are supposed to be doing oh 
Mm-hmm. It's original. Yeah. It's original. We've always done it. We've always done it. And it's only new that we haven't been doing it. You know, like that's the new part. We're like coming back to what we've always done. And I feel this just, just all the time. And I constantly have these visions and memories of like, we did this in the hidden gardens in Eden. We did this in the red tents when we lived in villages. Like we did this in the priestess temples when we all lived there together. We did this when we weren't allowed to in like under the full moon at night in secrecy like we've always done this every flavor there's like a wide range of flavors but women have always come together and like you're saying that beingness it's like just just that energetic portal it really is a portal that opens when women gather together like this and we amplify each other's magic we amplify each other's wombs and we open doorways together just through being and being in that that what word do I want to use it's like that I don't know if this is the best word but like that unhinged feminine expression just like door completely open to just be with what's true and that yeah like we we've always done it and we're just returning and I really feel like this time period on earth that we're in is a returning in 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 almost every way that I can track right now it's like a returning back to the original ways and we're doing that in in circles of women and groups of women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that so much um, in the online world of like women reclaiming homemaking and yeah. reclaiming like myself, um, physiological birth, primal birth, yes. birth um, reclaiming that that power, um, and even like the shifting back into balance of the feminine and the masculine like I'm seeing so much of that in relationships as well in my own relationship and in our Mm -hmm. own eternal relationship with the inner masculine and inner feminine Mm -hmm. um and it's it's so interesting because something that I see in myself um that is kind of mirrored around me is that like the pendulum swinging one way and it's like whoa it's gone so far (laughs) and it needs to go so far the other way and then it comes back to center and I feel like we've done the big swings and we're slowly coming back to center and back to yeah that that balance yeah yeah that balance point that middle way and the word that I feel as you're speaking and that is something that I've been tracking and tuning into for a while now is it's divine union it's Mm. that swinging from one pendulum to the other and marrying the two in the center and and bringing in that balance that equal balance of masculine and feminine and like you said we're seeing it in so many different expressions and something that popped in while you were saying that was we're also seeing it in in god in how people relate to the divine and it's it's this mergence of like mother god and father god and, and both halves of the divine really showing up and people are feeling that in their, in their lives and in their bodies. And it's, it's this marrying of the two. Like, I don't believe that, you know, just the way of the masculine is the way, or even just the way of the feminine is the way. 
And we've kind of swung to that, which we've needed to, that's been healing. Like we we've had to, because there was so much stripped of the feminine. We had to open her floodgates and now it's like okay like where is the marrying of the two and that and that is divine union and we're seeing it in self and we're seeing it in the world and we're seeing it in god and it's it's in every plane right now i love that that got woven in because that's something that i really am just attuning to a lot lately yeah um yeah and the visual as because uh, we're on video right now <laughs> so i can see you and yeah. uh, <laughs> news <laughs> um, where as you were moving your hands side to side um talking about that pendulum like we do we need that extreme. um and that's for me the process of like feeling the fullness of the emotion the fullness of what was taken the fullness of the rage fullness of the pain and the grief um and I've had an experience recently where I was so in my process that I couldn't even see the other person and I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Um, I was like, I still love you, but I can't even look at what your experience is right now. And I feel like that was the swing of coming and being like, oh, the whole like men suck kind of energy mm -hmm of women are in which is okay it's part of the process part of it. but not to stay there um but mm -hmm. to be in that so so that really it's it's the validation of our experience um and then once that initial charge kind of as you were sharing at the beginning is gone and we've expanded to hold that then we can slowly come back and be like okay wait a second you're you're not all bad in that like you know it's not not everybody has caused this pain um this is not the truth of who you are um there's more and now that i can hold my own shit <laughs> now hold you as well I can see you as well I can feel you as well and respect you because I was at a place at one point where I was like I was in a relationship that I was like wanted to get out of but felt so trapped in and I was in that like fuck men I hate men like even questioning my sexuality because I was like do I do I even like am I even attracted to men um and yeah turns out like no <laughs> I love men <laughs> and same and I need the masculine mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> inside of myself and outside of myself or else I would just be <laughs> oh my back. god same <laughs> yeah I would get oh. done and I would never feel um that like safety that the masculine provides um yeah mm, yeah the, the gifts of the masculine and I'm really just feeling like this this reminder because this has been a process that I've been in too, you know, like most, I don't want to say all, most of my trauma has been caused by men in the masculine. And mm -hmm. so I've gone through such a long healing process with, with the masculine. There are similar flavors to what you shared of like, and, and so many women are in that. And we see that in the world right now. And we see that in the collective of this, this demonizing of men as a whole 
And yes, that's an important part. And there are things that need to be held accountable and that are not fucking okay. And like, we don't need to sweep that under the rug. And, and when we do our own deep inner healing process and we swing to that pendulum and we feel everything and we let ourselves in our own processes feel that I hate you fuck you, all the rage, all the grief, and we alchemize it and clear it from our systems, clear it and bear witness to it and honor it while we're releasing it. It allows those parts to leave where we can hold, like you said, that bigger part of the spectrum to where now like I can hold and acknowledge I have been highly traumatized by men and I love men. And I see them in their exalted state. I see them for the gifts that they bring. I see them as embodiments of God, just as we as women are embodiments of the goddess. Like I can hold both. And that's only because I've let myself feel all the hard shit around it, that now we can come back to that centered place and like hold both. And that's how healing happens. And that's like, just as much as we as women are healing, men are starting to step up and they're doing deep healing. And I see that in men in my life. And I've actually had quite a few men clients come in that I've been supporting and like seeing and holding the masculine in their deep pain that they also have a lot of pain and a lot of trauma and the things that have flowed through the masculine throughout history have harmed them as well, have harmed their innocence, have harmed their souls, have taken them away from the gifts that they're here to bring to earth and holding that. And when we do our own deep inner healing and can hold them in that, it allows them to heal even more and we need men to heal. We need men. Like we can do all of our own inner healing work. And to some extent, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because it does. And there's the paradox of like, and if if men aren't showing up and doing that as well, we're not safe in the world. Yeah. You know, like we need men to step up as protectors and as these these embodiments so that we can melt even more right like and it comes back to what we were just saying that divine union of like the roles that we each serve and like the gifts that we each bring and we feed each other it's symbiotic and yeah and we like like I said it's so prevalent in the world right now of this like yeah this this these pendulum swings and this like shaming and demonizing of men and yeah I'm just feeling that and I I felt this in my body this this continued soft invitation to to tend to that and that's where divine union can really be birthed on earth and that that can just be our lived reality in ourselves and in our relationships and in the collective and I really do believe that's where we're going I know it can look kind of dim and dark you know when you tune into the world right now but that's where we're going. Like we're going to that divine union. We're going to that, that golden age. Like that's why all of this is getting kicked up right now. And of course it's outside of just men and women. It's, it's in every corner of our world right now, but it's all for the highest. Like I just, I see it and feel it so, so clearly. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's, 
I feel so deeply in my bones as well. And for me, what comes up is the word devotion. Um, it takes devotion to these processes, to looking at ourselves in the mirror, to vulnerability and allowing ourselves the to unravel right um creating enough safety in our bodies to allow ourselves to fully unravel um and to feel and to process um so that yeah we can come back to that that grounded state um and it's it's like not gonna be this like one time quick thing that just happens overnight like oh I decide to clear all my trauma now it's gone like that's that's why I really sit with the word devotion is mm -hmm. because it, it is exactly that it takes the consistent tending to ourselves our bodies mm -hmm. our energy our nervous system our emotions our relationships um yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah that word devotion like that that has been my my pillar that has mm -hmm. been my yeah my the steadfast energy and word is and that's how I just relate to my path is like a path of devotion and that's really what it is because and I was, I was tuning into it this morning like feeling the energy coming up and I was feeling like pretty much exactly what you just said word for word I was like did she read my mind earlier today <laughs> <laughs> and it is that like it, yeah it's not that one-off thing of like oh I just decided today that I'm gonna like not hate men anymore or I'm gonna heal my trauma or I'm gonna like end my lineage trauma right like it's not just it's it's a lifelong devotion and choice and like I said earlier it's that spiraled nature of like it's over and over deeper and deeper and it requires devotion of like mind, body, soul, heart, womb, like full, full devotion. And, and this, this wording has been coming through with myself and a few sisters I've spoken to is, is when you walk this path of devotion and, and it's really a way of living, it becomes a lifestyle and lifestyle is actually lifestyle is not the right word. It's an embodiment. Mm. And the wording that has come through is it's the choiceless choice because there's no other way for us. It's like, once you make that choice, it's choiceless. Like, it's just, of course, this is all that there is. And that's the point it's gotten to for me over the past few years is like, it, it, it's inevitable. There's no other way for me to show up to life. This is who I am now. And this is how I tend to myself. And that there's no part of my life, my reality, my emotions, any experience, like there's nothing that's off limits. I will face it all. I will bear witness to it all. I will feel every single thing that comes up. There is nothing that could arise that would cause me to abandon myself, that would cause me to turn away. And that devotion can be excruciating. And that is something that I constantly am attuning to because I know that there can be talks of devotion and it seems really romantic right it can be really romanticized and there is that flavor right like there is that beautiful romantic flavor of devotion and it's fucking excruciating at times it's like not a path like I'm gonna be on the path to devotion because I heard it feels really really good and it's super fun like <laughs> no it's not like yes you get access to more joy and more pleasure and more peace and more of life right like yes there are gifts and fruits of devotion 
but to have those fruits, to get, to receive those gifts, it is deep, deep, deep excavation to the core, to the center over and over and over again. And a lot of times, and I see this with, with people I connect with, but I'll speak directly for myself. Like a lot of the time it doesn't quote, feel good. Yeah. I am deeply challenged by devotion all the time some seasons are more challenging than others but like even in seasons of peace and softness I'm still challenged and that's where the devotion like must come in and it becomes it has to become a full cellular head-to-toe energy field embodiment because it will challenge you like there are times I like my humans like I quit I don't want this. This is so hard. I'm fucking over it. I'm exhausted, right? Like I still have those moments. And right after that moment, I'm like, all right, I'm back in because the devotion never leaves. That's just my human throwing a little temper tantrum, you know, which I, I call them divine temper tantrums. I have them regularly. They're a very important part of my process. <laughs> my experience because that's exactly I'm always like kicking and screaming and I don't want to go <laughs> I don't want to do it no don't make me <laughs> oh yeah all the time and like I regularly like in my relationship with God like it's just known I'm like fuck you fuck you man this is sucks I don't like this and I'm still wrapped in God's love and like they, I'm accepted in my human process but like I can't tell you how many times I've like cursed the divine swore up and down punched a pill and been like I hate this and I come back to center and I come back to that cord that pillar of devotion and that's what gets me through because when we are on this path of devotion, and I was really feeling this this morning before we before we got on today, of what it is we're doing when we walk this path of devotion, this path of initiation, it's not just for ourselves so that we can live really full lives. Yes, that's a part of it, so that we can be liberated, entirely liberated, but it's also for future generations, our own lineage, and also just the children of the earth and be and even beyond the children of the earth just the people like everybody like we do it for the co for the collective as well as ourselves and so it radiates so far beyond us and you know in time i do believe it goes backwards in time and heals throughout behind the lineage right like it really becomes this timeless space that we enter into when we're doing this deep devotional tending and healing and that does change the fabric of reality and that's where the devotion comes in for me because some if it was just for my own being like yeah I want to say I would still be fully devoted to it for myself but there's another depth of devotion that goes way 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 deeper for me that's unshakable of like doing it for Gaia, doing it for future generations, doing it so that this place that we live can be returned to its original innocence and beauty and love can permeate throughout the entire planet. And I notice some people that can sound really fantastical or dreamy but what I've touched is it's it's true and that is what's available when we walk the path of devotion and when we embody it so fiercely and so we're so tethered in it 
we create ripples that we couldn't even fathom, that we can't even conceptualize. It puts ripples out into reality. And yeah, it's just, it goes so far beyond us. And, and for me, that that energy of service is really interwoven into, into devotion. And it's my entire life. Like it's what I live and breathe for at this point in, in, my, in my life. And I know that I will until I take my last breath. And that's what keeps it going for me. And I see that for so many other people when it extends beyond us because it's going to get really challenging and it is really challenging and it's going to get more challenging. Like there's a lot of stuff coming up right now in ourselves and in the collective in the world. Like, and that's what will get us through. That's what will get us through. Mm, yeah. I love that this, I just, I like, I am so thriving in the unfolding of this conversation. Me too. <laughs> I need to jump up and down. <laughs> um, everything, like, uh, everything that you just said, I was just like, oh, yes, yes. Like my whole body was just like full body fuck yes to all of that. And a few things that, yeah, came to mind. Um, as you're speaking at one point, you said, um, yeah, we can reach like the higher highs. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. Um, mm -hmm. And we have to go deeper. And for me, that's like the deeper you actually go, that's the higher you get. You're that's not going to go high first. You have to go low first. Um, mm -hmm. and it's almost like you, you, you're in devotion to the heavens and you're in devotion to for lack of a better word hell you know you're mm -hmm. you're in devotion to the darkness the shadows just yeah. as much as the light yeah. and that that is what makes this so challenging and that is also what makes a lot of people shy away from it because they're like oh I don't want to do that and again, with this word devotion, it's not like you get to do it once. It's not like you sit in an ayahuasca ceremony once and you feel the darkness once and then like, boom, I'm high for the rest of my life. It's that pendulum back and forth and back and forth and back and forth again and again and again and again. And that's where, yeah, the devotion happens. And I love that you use the word divine tantrum. I love that. I love that so much. Because that's exactly what it feels like for me. And I also have this really beautiful relationship with spirit where I'm just like, I know you guys are laughing at me right now because I'm freaking out, but fuck you. <laughs> like I can feel the, like, it's like a big cosmic joke of like, yeah, it, it sucks. And <laughs> yeah. we also know that you're not going to give up. <laughs> we also know, we all know how this ends. You're going to feel your shit. And then you're oh, going to come God. back with your tail between your legs. Yeah. Like, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. For me, coming up with that is this process of pregnancy and birth. Mm -hmm. And I'm in my third trimester now. I'm 29 weeks at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just been starting to connect with the energy of my birth. And I've chosen, my intention is to have a free birth. Um and so I've just started sitting with it and my whole like my whole pregnancy so far has been that like yeah <laughs> in the depths you know um and 
and when you said like this is a way of being this is the embodiment um i feel like for me this pregnancy and this birth is going to be the peak of this because everything i feel like yeah i don't have a choice at this point i can't escape this i can't run from it even when i want to um and with like the hormones and my emotions and just like how tender and fragile almost i feel like it's really the duality in it is amazing because I feel so tender and fragile and small and just like, oh, somebody save me. But then I also feel like so empowered at the same time. Um, but I I feel like I don't have to consciously open myself up to witnessing what comes up. It comes up and it's in my face and it's like, hey, are you going to deal with this? And I'm like, oh, shit oh shit and um I love that you brought up the like it go oh, it ripples forward and it ripples back and it ripples side to side with the people who are here with us now um I had a really beautiful energy session yesterday where um something that's coming up for me is this patterning of giving my power away and my victim self wants to say, you stole my power, you took it from me, but that's not it. Nobody's taking it from me. Nobody can take it from me. I give it to them. Right. And for me, a lot of that is with my voice. I, I love how you're like, I see it. I can it. feel it. I can feel it. <laughs> um, but a lot of that for me is my voice. And when I sat and she, um, the woman who did this was Hannah. She's the primal priestess on Instagram absolutely love her um she as she guided me to sit with it she asked me like okay this energy what does it look like and it was this like black staticky ball and she was like how does it make you feel and I was like I don't want to go anywhere near that I want to avoid that at all costs and she's like okay who put it there and immediately I just burst into tears and I was like my mom my mom put it there and uh yeah, there was like, there was a lot of grief in that because my, my inner girl, my little girl was just like, how could you do that to me? Like, why didn't you stand up for me? Like, okay, if you couldn't stand up for yourself, that's fine. But me, like you couldn't even stand up for me and speak in your power for me. And then she, Hannah asked me like, like, is it your mom's? Like, why did she put it there? Ask her. And I asked her and she was like, it's not even mine. I had no choice. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, and like we traced it so far back that it's it's what, what I'm sitting with now is not mine. It's not my mom's. It's not her mom's or her mom's or her mom's. It's been with us for generations and generations. And something that she said was, what a gift it is that you now have the choice to say no. You now have the choice when all of the women before you didn't have a choice. And I was just like, like it ripped my heart open and I can feel it in my throat right now. Oh, and like, yeah, that's, that's the, for me, an embodiment of that work of, and being pregnant, like I'm doing this. So the being in my womb gets to live in their power and, and, grow up not having to as they're an adult claim their power back but uh, in the first place 
you know? So that's like, yeah, I'm feeling that is so present for me right now. Ooh, I can like feel all of that. Like I'm covered in goosebumps. Yeah. And like, again, we're on video. So I'm like rolling and writhing and feeling like it's so (laughs) palpable. And just first, before I like share what came up, just an acknowledgement of you. Like I see you, I witness you in that devotion for yourself and for your baby and your whole lineage. And, you know, we've had different flavors of what that's looked like in our lives, but I I know what that takes. And so I just, I see you and I honor you in that. And I know it's not for the faint of heart. It's no fucking joke, like showing up and tending to that. So yeah, I just first wanted to like acknowledge you in showing up to that. And what a blessed, beautiful little being to come through a mother that bleeds devotion, that pulsates Mm -hmm. devotion. And that is something that I have felt for so many years, tuning into the beings that are coming in from us, from the women who who say it stops with me. It Mm -hmm. ends here. I will do every single thing that I need to do and I will face every demon and I will feel every drop of pain that they couldn't feel compassionately that they could not feel and I will do it so that it does not continue and those beings not having to heal from these what I've really been feeling is like generational curses like it's it's curses on our generational lineage and that they won't have to tend to that. And they get to just come into the world in their fullness, in their innocence, and have parents, a mother that's in devotion to protecting that and doing her deep inner work over and over and over so that it is not placed into that being. Because what you said about like your mother placing that into you, like I I have had stuff placed into me from my family and I have a lot of stuff that's placed from my maternal lineage and a ton from my paternal lineage. And there were years and it still comes up, but there were years where like all I was clearing was stuff that wasn't mine or that was side effects, traumas from what was passed down in my lineage And for a long time, there was obviously a lot of like rage, right? Rage and victimhood around it. And and that was like, we've said throughout like a vital part of the process, right? We're not here to bypass any of that, like feeling that. And also through that, I've gotten to the place where like, I hold my family, I hold my parents, I hold my lineage in such deep, deep, deep compassion because it's like what they pass to me, their parents pass to them and their parents pass to them. And who knows how far it goes back because there have been so many structures in place on earth to harm, to cause harm to, to people and to lineages. Like there's, and that's a whole other you know, multidimensional conversation I'll save for later, but there's just been a lot of forces at play to really like, harm the soul and to harm humanity and it's passed down through millennia and like you've said and I I felt this too of like they didn't have the choice that we have now and so yes it's like this gift is is can be excruciating but it it is a gift for ourselves and for others and I feel like I see this how do I want to explain it hmm 
I'm just like having a really strong vision. So I'm trying to see how I want to put it. Mm-hmm. We are, we are the before and after, like we will be spoken into our lineage that there was a before us and an after us. Oh. And I feel us as this plug in the center of our lineage that like we are ending it here and like our grandchildren and grandchildren's grandchildren will look back and be like my great great grandmother like did the deep work and ended the trauma broke the curses and so now like we get to live without that and in that comes sacrifice And that comes with devotion, like, because there are layers to this of like, we sacrifice willingly on the altar, we sacrifice sometimes ease and joy, and maybe a life that would be a lot easier if we just turned away and didn't tend to it, it is harder to stop it than to let it just, yep, we'll just let it continue through us because, you know, X, Y, Z, like it requires sacrifice. And and I feel that in my own process quite often where I'm like, yeah, it would be so much easier if I just turned a blind eye and numbed it and avoid it and just allowed it to pass through me. And again, it's the choiceless choice. So there, there's no choice for me. And like, I can attune to how that is, is easier And as I've grown in this path, I used to be really angry at people that didn't want to do this work and really like misunderstanding of like, how could you not? And Mm -hmm. now I get it. I get it. Like I get people being afraid to really go deep and to start doing this level of healing because it's not a path for the faint of heart. It requires your entire life you know, and and the gifts and the beauty of that, like, because of your sacrifice, the fruits you will receive for yourself and your lineage are beyond what has been touched in millennia, right? There is gifts and, and, oh, I don't want to say payment, we'll stick with gifts, like gifts to it. But I get it now. You know, the deeper and deeper I'm in it, I have more compassion for people who are like, not ready to do this work, not ready to face the demons, not ready to go to the underworld and like purge and heal all their pain. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's really intense. And mm-hmm. so just, yeah, like feeling, yeah, feeling all of the flavors of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way that you use the word flavors. Mm. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, like I, I so deeply resonate with your experience of not, not understanding initially, like why. And for me, I felt it was like this isn't fair. And I'm a middle child, so I was all about fair. <laughs> like my whole childhood, I was like, well, she gets this, she gets that. I want that too. That's not fair. <laughs> and um, and that's that's how I approached it initially it was like it's not fair that I have to do all of this because for me it is the choiceless choice as well like I don't feel like I have a choice because that's not who I am I I can't escape it I can't run away from it I can try and it's still gonna show up again and again and again until I'm like fuck okay fine I've had enough you know and I had a few years of that of like I'm running I'm running I'm running I'm running and then it's still as soon as I sat and got still enough it was like everything is there are you going to deal with it or are you going to keep running and be exhausted your entire life and I'm like yeah yeah and for me it feels like there's this um 
inner warrior that shows up um and she's just like all right like this is part of who I am I'm gonna do this I'm going to do this. Um, and it's really interesting. <laughs> a story that's coming up is I had a um, Akashic Records reading. And in one of my past lives, I was this big warrior. And I think I like consistently connect back to that lifetime and that version of myself. And the work that that I'm doing in this lifetime is not that like tangible, physical on the battlefield it's emotional and it's energetic and um the deaths that happen aren't physical deaths yet <laughs> not yet but it's death of ways of being deaths of my past selves deaths death <laughs> deaths of different yeah different parts of me that are mine and aren't mine that i've been carrying um and the ego and um yeah yeah it's it's sometimes I I've felt this like oh it's it's almost like not hard enough in the terms of like oh it's just like the emotional and energetic processing now um which there's still like the physical tangible aspects of how how do I communicate in form how do I talk to um this person how do I heal this with this person or can I set this boundary um and and not deal with that person or not um have these conversations like there's still the navigating of the physical um but it feels it feels much more internal a lot of the time and much more yeah just etheric almost um yeah what comes up for you with that yeah and yeah what you were saying is like with it being a emotional and energetic tending more than a physical the other thing that comes up for me is is it's also a spiritual a soul mm -hmm. battle so like you just said like etheric like there is also so much happening in mm -hmm. I don't always resonate with the term spiritual because I think it's been really hijacked, but for the term of this conversation, we'll, we'll use that of like, there's also this like spiritual battleground that we're in now. And because we're not doing the physical battles, right? Like our physical safety in the modern Western world, right? We, we don't really have to worry about that in the same way. Sure. There's, there's certain ways we still, we still have to tend to, we're not on a literal battlefield, right? Like we're not out at risk for our lives. And because of that, we are able to do the emotional and um, energetic and spiritual tending and tend to those battlegrounds, if you will, because we're not one we're not like yeah on the battlefield fighting for our life that's primal like that's base level all right like I could die in the next breath okay nothing else I can tend to and you know we were we were spending a lot of energy at certain periods of time like I'm I'm you know looking back to recorded history there's a different history that goes beyond records but we'll just stick to recorded history of like we were you know facing famine and we were having to hunt and gather all our food and we were having to weather through the seasons and we were you know like facing just real physical tangible earthy hardship and and because of those things like we we couldn't do the deep 
inner tending and we couldn't even like attune fully to these these spiritual realms and do the clearing and healing there and so now like we're able to do that so in some ways it can feel easier of like yeah I don't have to worry about freezing to death in my hut or going to war on a battleground but like there is still yeah yeah it's it's like hard to put into words because it's like yes in ways that is obviously much easier for us to just do our deep in inner tending and it's just as hard just in different ways you know because it really expands like into the the self and the soul and into like the the collective energy field that we're like tending to on earth right now there is a spiritual battleground happening there and what we must feel and what we must face and what we must die to is excruciating you know Mm -hmm. and so it's it's honoring the challenge of that too you know like for me death both physical death and soul death spiritual death death of the self and not self right has been a huge part of of my path like death has been with me since I was in my mother's womb like I have walked side by side with death my entire life and my whole path and even with the parts that were quote just spiritual deaths there the visceral experience of that like being on my floor physically feeling like I am dying and the like, I can't take one more second of this in those death processes. And so it's like, it's just, yeah, different, different flavors. Again, the word flavor, like it's just different, different flavors. Um, but yeah, that, that death, that death energy, the, the death mother, you know, is, is really so, I felt her so alive today. And she has been, yeah, like the, the biggest constant in my life. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for that perspective. Um, Cause yeah, there's, I think it's my, my human self is like, well, there's nothing outside of me that's actually physically like going to harm me or kill me. Why am I being so dramatic? I'm mm. putting for those yeah. air quote <laughs> right and that for me is like a word that was used a lot throughout my childhood oh even you're so dramatic you're so dramatic mm-hmm. you're so dramatic and it's like maybe they are to some people but to me they're real um so yeah it's almost this like watering my experience down um because uh, other people have had to suffer through worse um and like yes I can I can acknowledge like other people have had to suffer through worse my ancestors had to suffer through much worse and as you said like they couldn't even reach where I'm at right now doing the work that I'm doing now and like if if they were to to have had the option of their experience or mine most likely they would have chosen mine Mm. right this is like I get to be here I get to be doing this work and with with so much gratitude for my physical safety for so much gratitude for the fact that 
yeah, I get to, I get to tend to all of the things that nobody before me in my ancestry got to tend to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for that perspective. That's like, mm-hmm. oh, I needed that. <laughs> I needed yeah. that. And I'm just like, I have goosebumps all over. And, and there's this phrase that has come through for me in a lot of like my really deep moments. And it's coming through right now of we are beyond our ancestors' wildest dreams. They could have never fathomed what we are able to do. Mm. Never fathomed, like we are beyond what they could even comprehend. And that has that that perspective and energy has really gotten me through. And yeah, I love how you said like they would choose this, you know, like that pain that they had to shove down the horrors that they had to look away from the traumas that they couldn't tend because they were in survival. They, without maybe even knowing that they could do that, there was a deep soul yearning to feel the pain, to tend to the trauma, to clear the things from their system, but they just couldn't, they just couldn't do it. And we are, we are able to, and yeah, just really feeling, feeling all of our ancestors in this space right now. I really, I have a few strong grandmothers like that are just here and they're like, I just feel them, you know, I feel them and I feel their, their gratitude and I feel them behind my back. I don't want to say I feel them all the time, but when they, they are there all the time, but when they come in, it's a really clear of like, thank you. You're doing it. Keep going. Like you do this for us. Just this like pure undying gratitude for what we're showing up to do. And it goes back to that conversation of, of the devotion. And it's not just for us. And that really, really gets me, gets me through Mm. and like helps me keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, there's one other thing that pinged in to add. And I feel like just, it's like a little just note that I want to drop in around this. How do I want to word it? When we, maybe, I don't know if compare is the right word, but when we kind of, we'll use that word for ease. When we compare of like, okay, what we're tending to now in terms of safety is, is not the same as like what our ancestors were tending to in terms of safety. And there's absolute truth in that. And something that I've really come to see and track as just more of my, what do I want to call it? Like, yeah, energy tracking abilities, gifts, like tuning into what's going on has come on. I've been able to really see this and it's helped me in moments where when we can get in our processes and we think it's all us, right? Like it's all ours. All I'm doing is my own entertaining. It's me. All this is mine. It can feel really weighty and it can feel really daunting. And what really started to shift for me is when I started to realize that there are a lot of forces at play that do seek to harm us. And that do seek to to siphon and to drain and to to cause harm and take away safety. It's not necessarily in the same physical way that our ancestors did it, right? Like it's it's not on those kinds of battlefields, but there are forces that be right now that are impeding on, on our safety and are seeking to cause us harm 
and that all that we're facing is not just ours and it's not just from what's in our lineage and that's really helped me in moments when there's I when I learned to start to track that because when things would come in that weren't mine it would be so overwhelming and I would be but I would think it was me and I'd be like why can't I handle this why does this feel too much why am I constantly collapsing like like what's going on here and when I started to track that, it, it helps give perspective and take outside of our processes. Because when we think everything's ours, we can get into just, I don't exactly know how to word it. I hope you can feel it. Just like those, those spirals, those places of like, it's me, 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 mine, mine, mine. And it's just not true. It's just not true. There is a lot. And again, these, these are kind of like more intense multi-dimensional conversations that would take hours to like fully go into um but just to drop that in of like a softening of that of that there there are forces right now at play that that are trying to harm that are taking away safety that are draining our life force and innocence and that it's not all us the intensity we're feeling and experiencing in our processes are not just ours and not just that of our lineage. Like there are other artificial energetics that are really at play right now. And for me, as I've been able to track that, it's just brought a softening into my system of mm -hmm. acknowledgement of that. And it's able to like remove it from self because when it's all self, it can feel just so big. And that's, I think you touched it earlier too, of just like, when we can start to track these things being like that's not mine I don't need to tend to it mm -hmm. like that's not mine I don't even need to engage with it and when we tend to only what's ours it tends to be more more manageable even if it's really challenging into our edge there's just a different flavor so yeah that just was like pinging to just drop in when it's really easy to just yeah be like oh well we're not dealing with lack of safety or harm like we were back then it's like no we are it's just in a very different way and it's in a more energetic spiritual way mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely and I love that um that perspective and what was coming up for me when you said like oh that's not mine I don't need to tend to that is how simple can it be this has been a theme that surfaced for me for the last few months I was taking a pro program again from Hannah who did my energy session called inner mastery and a big theme of it was how simple can it be who okay sitting with this energy sitting with this emotion whose is this is this mine no whose is it maybe I know maybe I don't know right and when she asked like who put that there immediately I was like oh my mom you know and then seeing I think what she asked is can you remove it? And every time I like, I was like swinging at it, like batting it away and it just popped right back to where it was and it would just keep popping. But sometimes it is as simple as, can you remove it? Ask it to leave. And then it's like, oh, it's not because it's not mine and not actually connected to me. When I say, get the fuck out, it, it, it has to, right? When I claim my power in my field, it has to leave. Um, so yeah, I want to bring that up for anyone who's experiencing this of like, I don't know, is it mine? Is it not? Ask. Yeah. Who are you? Who put you here? And then tell it to leave in whatever way you want to. You can you can tell it in kind and compassionate way. Or <laughs> you can literally say, get the fuck out. Uh -huh. I don't want 
you here. I don't need you here. I don't know who put you here, but I, you're not welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and really claiming that. Yeah. Something um, that I really wanted to dive into is mm. you mentioned the death mother. And I really mm. wanted to put that into the conversation. Yeah. Um, so for for those who, you know, maybe not not maybe aren't familiar with that term death mother for you, what does that term hold? What energy is that? What, what, yeah. What does that hold for you? What does that carry? Mm. Yeah. It's so interesting to feel, feel her and feel that energy and try to, I feel her just like cackling a little bit of like trying to be put into like words and into a description, you know, because she is, so much and I think she is like it's the dark feminine just embodied in in the death mother it is it is the womb of the mother it is it is the underbelly it are it is these these realms that are in are in the darkness are in the mud and with like the death mother specifically that energy that flavor it's it's I mean it's death but it's, it's really shifting how we relate to death. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about, there is the physical death and there is the spiritual death. And for her, I see her and she has this, this death altar. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's what is laid, whether it's life, right? Like real tangible life on the death altar or if it is more soul spiritual death on the altar and and laying that on her at her feet and with that when we lay these on her feet her gift and this is what I was feeling this morning when I was feeling her and she kept saying this to me she's like my gift to you is liberation like through the death mother is pure liberation and she is healings and teachings and wisdom and life like she is life you know and just in a different expression and flavor and she allows us in that liberation it's like what we touched earlier and a lot of what we've been talking about her 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 energy has been interwoven into of this liberation of there is no place within myself that I will not go There is no experience life can bring to me that I will not meet, that I will not tend to. There is nothing that could happen that would cause me to abandon myself. I am here fully and completely. And that aliveness, that full spectrum nature that we're able to be with, and that is to be a human when we are in deep relationship with the deaf mother and we we drink her medicine and it's not sweet medicine you know mm-hmm. it's not easy medicine to swallow it's some of the hardest worst tasting medicine that you can drink but it's like but in that what is available to us when we are willing to drink that medicine when we are willing to lay on her altar is is full liberation mind body soul womb spirit like entire liberation within this human experience and that for me is what she's taught me over and over and 
you know, I, I've, I've shared a little, but that like my path has been with the deaf mother my entire life. So do you care if I share just a little of the story? Okay. Yeah. So for me, death has been interwoven into my story since mm. I was in my mom's womb. And when my mom was six months pregnant with me, she had a ultrasound and they told her I had zero chance of survival. They wow. said, your baby's, your baby's going to die. There's no hope. And they offered her a termination at six months. Wow. And yeah. Like it was that, like they were that sure because they don't, they don't offer a termination that do. very often. No. And you know, my, my mother was not open to that. She was like, okay, like if this baby dies, like I will birth her. And it's, my mom is very religious, very faithful. And so she's like, it's up to God. Like if God chooses to take her, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to gestate this baby. And it was so certain that I would not survive that my parents had my funeral planned before I was born. Oh yeah. And they, they had a casket picked out, but they didn't have a car seat to bring me home in. And so when I survived birth, they told my parents that I wouldn't, I wouldn't survive birth. Like I would be born dead or I would suffocate at birth. I had some lung stuff, mm. growth on my lung that they said would suffocate me. Mm. And I came out screaming and obviously I'm here. I'm talking to you. I survived, you know, <laughs> Surprise, spoiler alert, <laughs> but my I remember my mom telling me this story she was like she's like you survived and I looked at your dad and was like we don't have a car seat like we have to get her a car seat but they had a casket like that's how much death wove with me from the beginning and that has always been a part of my my story and I and I had emergency surgery at three days old they removed half of my left lung my heart was on the wrong side. I had a hole in it. My heart's still, you know, on the opposite side. Like I still had all of these things and they didn't know how it was going to affect me through, through my life. And so I really came into this world with, with the death mother, like looming before I even took my first breath. Mm. And yeah, so she's been with me my, my whole, my whole life. And you know, I, I face different flavors of this throughout, you know, childhood through through trauma and abuse. There was a lot of that kind of dark energy. But when my path really started, I was 15. And up to this point, I was like a normal, quote, normal teenage girl. I was very, this isn't always the best word, but basic. Like I was just very basic. I was normal. I wasn't like one of these like women who were like, oh, I was always making potions in the woods or like into witchy stuff. Like I just wasn't, I was so, I was in a little small town in New Hampshire girl, like straight A student athlete going to college, like the whole thing. And the death mother came for me at 15. And I started my descent into the underworld at 15. And by 16, I was fully engulfed, fully engulfed in the underworld to where I, I dropped out of high school I, I stopped doing sports. I stopped being able to fully function in the world. And I was in the what I now can track as the underworld. I didn't at the time have any contacts. I had no elders. I had no peers, like nobody. I was waiting in this completely unknown. And I was in there from 16 to 19, unrelenting. And 
this and in that I started to battle for my life. Like I faced self-harm, suicidal ideations, um, eating disorders, just like all of these different things and multi-dimensional like attacks. Like there was a lot of dark distorted energy that was really just trying to take my life. And I I stayed in the underworld from from 15 to 25, like fully. I didn't I didn't leave. Like I was I was in it and I fought for my life during all of those years. And you know, it's a this is a paraphrased version, of course, but there was death always looming over me. Like my soul fought to stay alive. And in that, when I was in my early 20s, I experienced physical death. My my best friend died when I was 20 years old and she was 21. And I watched her die in the hospital. She was in a car accident and was in a coma for five days. And I sat beside her while she was dying and taking her last breaths and fighting for her life. And I was brought with, with real tangible death in, in my face. And at that age, did not have the full capacity to, to be with that. But with this energy of the death mother, and, and this is where her great paradox lives, and this is where it can be really challenging to, to meet her in this way is, like, I'll use this example of the physical death with my best friend. That is, to this day, one of the hardest human things that I have, have ever been through. And I have never known grief like that. And to brush with death so physically, like it just, it shook me. It shook me to my core. And her death became the most powerful catalyst to my awakening. And I hesitate to say this, but it, it's really what's true. That experience was also one of the greatest gifts that I experienced on my path. And of course, I would give that gift up for her to have her life and for her to be here. But that was what her soul chose. I believe her soul chose that death. It was ordained. It was contracted. And so because of that, because that's what her soul chose and that was true for her path, I can hold that it was also a gift for me. And I know for a fact that happened with multiple people who lost her. That, that was their awakening. That was what started to really kick up their, their healing and their looking within. And that energy of, of the death mother, and she really does that, right? It's like the greatest gifts live within our deepest pain and losses and grief when we can meet them fully. And, and I just continually have these visions of like on my hands and knees wailing at her altar and and not wanting these gifts not wanting this experience not wanting these healings but it's here it's a part of life to be alive to be human to experience birth and life like she is death like it's the same being it's the same being it's just a different face of her and that's what I have experienced through and through and through on my path is my most profound awakenings, healings, 
um, gifts coming online, wisdom, all those things, right, that we're all really craving and wanting when we're on this path. They have all come from brushes with the death mother. They have all come from my most raw, challenging, guttural experiences with physical death. And, you know, like I'll bring this other flavor in too of like what we spoke of at the beginning of the sexual assault that was horrendous right it was so traumatic and scary like and the experience without going into all the details like I thought he was going to kill me like there was a point where I was like I have to fawn completely to get myself out or like I'm going to die and in that it also cracked open the most embodied power that I have ever experienced in my system and going into it fully like I, I shared in, in the story it was like three days of non-stop somatic shamanic tending and in that though it was the hardest some of the hardest three days of my life and I've never tasted my power more than in those moments of my ability to meet this fully and to see the years that I had been tending to tending to my body and being with my somatic experience and all these things this was the the epitome of oh I'm able to be with something this fucking scary and still be with myself and not abandon myself for a second and it just contextualized why all of this or a part of why all of this was happening and it was again with with death and with these these experiences that and I want to preface this I'm not saying this in a way and I hope it's felt but in like bypassing that experience because I did have women um after I was assaulted be like you should be really grateful for xyz or like oh let's feel really bad for him spiritually bypass the whole thing like just to drop in, there is a huge difference between victim consciousness and being a true victim of a crime. Shouldn't need to be stated, but it does. So just dropping that in there for anybody listening that like, I hold that. And, and, and that's the challenging paradox with the mother is like, you can hold that and be like, no, I was a victim to a crime. And this was terrifying. And it happened. It happened. And it's what was true. And it was what was in my lived reality. And because I laid on the altar after that, I was able to reclaim more of my power through that experience. And so that like, those are just a few examples I have <laughs> more than I want to, um, more than I like, yeah, more than I want to. Um, I have a lot of experiences with, with the death mother and brushing, brushing with her. And she that's what she is to me and we are in a phase right now on earth where the death mother is bubbling to the surface and the whole world is going into collective death portals physical like we've seen over the past few years physical death portals and energetic spiritual all of the whether that's a personal or collective structures that are in our world that are expired that are distorted they must die 
in order for what is new and true to come through. And, and I really believe we're about to see the world go in entirely to the womb of the death mother. And those of us, and this goes back to service, right? Like those of us who have been dancing with the death mother before maybe the, the droves of the masses are, we get to hold this wisdom and we get to be embodied in it and we get to transmit the love and safety and gifts that are on the other side of these death portals and of this, this darkness because it can be scary and it is if you have never danced with her, you know, you look at it and you're like, how could this possibly be a good thing, right? Or a healing thing. And that's her paradox. That's mm -hmm. her paradox. And yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. I'm just sitting and fully witnessing and receiving you. Thank you so much for yeah sharing what you shared um yeah I don't have words and I don't need words no but I'm just really I'm feeling and witnessing you and in, yeah such deep gratitude for your willingness to share thank you and thank you for yeah witnessing me in that and receiving me in in all of that yeah Mm -hmm. the one of the last sentences that you said um of like people who have not danced with death they're like how can this be a good thing and for me I bring it back to nature we see mm -hmm. death in nature again and again and again and again whether that's with you know the plants or the animals the cycle of life like death is just as big of a part of life as birth and it we can't have birth without death. And this is something that's coming up for me um, is my own fears of death. Uh, as I'm about to birth this baby, mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's a lot of this fear. And um, yeah, for myself, I've had a few really traumatic experiences that I'm like, I don't know how I survived that. I don't know how I walked away from that unharmed. Um, I've had as, as a like child, my aunt passed away and it like broke my entire family. And part of me would love to, the person that I am now would love to go back and just to witness what happened. Um, but like my family was never the same after that. We never gathered in the same way. Um, mm -hmm. Most of my family now, like we, we don't talk about it. It was my, my grandma would be crying at all of the Christmas dinners, all the Thanksgiving dinners, and nobody wanted to deal with it. It was just easier to block it off and to not talk about it and to be like, oh, well, grandma's just going to cry. And it's like, she was the only one brave enough to feel she was the only one brave enough to feel it and everybody else shut down. And so there's a part of me that I didn't actually process her death until two years ago. And it's really beautiful that this conversation is happening because it was her birthday yesterday. Um, yeah. So like I didn't, it took me so many years to actually 
process it and feel it in my own being in my own system and really allow myself to grieve and I can see in my family how traumatized everybody still is and myself included um, how scared of death we all are because of that experience and you know like I'm I so deeply honor you for being willing to grieve and to feel and to dive into the underworld because the the reaction that so many people have is to run away to ignore to to not look at it um it takes so much courage to lay yourself down at the altar of death um so i really want to honor you in that and acknowledge you in that um yeah I that's all <laughs> that's mm. all mm. thank you for that and thank you for sharing mm. you know like your experience with with death mm -hmm. and like how that how that shows up and yeah just really glad that we're we're touching this in the conversation because it it is it's such a human part of this like no matter if you're walking a path or not like if you're alive you will face death yeah. you will even if you're not like dying your ego on the death mother's altar you know like you're gonna face death in this life and in this in this world and and it is a part of like I love how you said nature like it's just a part of the life cycles of nature and something that that really came through for me when my best friend died and then so just to drop a little more in that when she died and then six months later I got unexpectedly pregnant and lost a pregnancy so I experienced that death and then mm -hmm. a few months after that I ate mushrooms for the first time and mm -hmm. was really like death was all around me and the plants were like come let us teach you about it and something I saw during that ceremony, it was my my first time ever with, with plants, um, minus some cannabis, but you know, like ceremony plants, yeah. Um, I was shown and told how death and birth are the same. Like when a baby comes in and is born into the world, they are dying to their unphysical self the, the the full soul embodiment the full spirit form is dying to come into physical reality and then when the physical body dies the spiritual self the soul self the spirit is being born mm -hmm. and that like we only have the 3d view right like we only have the density view of it but that it, it is the same breath it just looks different and that that really helped me in contextualizing death and and experiencing death in in the physical and and since then you know I, I've lost more people in my family like I've experienced more physical death in in the world uh, like around me my my world around me and it doesn't take away the grief it doesn't take away the loss but it does take away a certain layer of making it wrong yeah making it wrong and I noticed that a lot when people die of that that they shouldn't have died and that this is wrong and this is bad and this is a bad thing 
And I've been able to hold, no, it, it just an is thing. It's just a true thing. Like it's, it's neutral. It's not good or bad. It just, it just is. And that has helped me not only continue to go back and heal my experiences with, with losing the pregnancy and losing my best friend and having those. Cause at the time I didn't hold that paradigm of death. It was bad. It was wrong to me, but to go back in time and be able to heal those parts with this perspective. And then now when death comes up in my life, I can hold that. And like I said, it doesn't make it necessarily softer, but it takes away that wrongness that we we really see in in society um and yeah i think that's been reared to a head during the last few years of like how wrong people view death as and how afraid of death people are and the death mother offers us liberation from fear of death Mm. you know like i i no longer i no longer struggle with suicidal ideations i no longer wish to to leave this world but I welcome death when she comes. Like yeah. I'm, I'm at peace with that. I'm like, yes, when my time comes, I will open to her with wide open arms to be received and, and taken with her out of this physical form because I know her so yeah. intimately and she has been the fabric of, of my life. So of course, like she's gonna be with me in my death. And that has also been such a gift through, through this, this intensity of, of working with her so closely is that, that liberation of, of fear of dying and being dead and all of those things. It's, it's really just not a part of it for me anymore. Like, like I said, I don't want to leave right now, but there are moments that I like yearn for her embrace because I know what's in that too. You know, and it's just as rich and fertile as life. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, thank you for that share. And um, yeah, it's it's really beautiful to hear because I'm still in, in this space of like, I'm still scared. I'm still scared. Mm-hmm. And and to witness you share like, I'm, I'm not afraid of it. The wrongness is gone, um, is really beautiful. And I, you know, strive to, to be in that space at some point. And I know that I will whenever the time comes for me to, yeah, to dive into that. Um, yeah, I, I'm like, it's really coming up and just like in when it's coming up in me, it's coming up around me as well, which is beautiful. Um, choosing to have a wild pregnancy and a free birth with this baby. Um, now I'm like, okay, so I need to face the reality. What if this baby dies? And, you know, that's like, there's, there's so much fear, which it is like this pregnancy and birth is like just a metaphor for everything else. Yeah. Um, You know, that's why it's viewed with so much fear and there's so much control and monitoring and, and like, yeah, like I need to feel safe. I need to know my baby is okay. I need to know. I need to have this ultrasound. I need to have these blood tests. I need to have this test because I need to know that they're okay. And I, 
I honor that, that is seeking safety. And there is nothing wrong with seeking safety for ourselves, for our babies. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and for me, I don't want to operate in that way of frantically, like I can't create safety in myself. So I need to find it outside of me. Um, so that's been a process that I've been walking in choosing this wild pregnancy is, oh, I'm having all of this fear surface. What is the base fear? The base fear is that I'm scared my baby is going to die. And then I'm going to have to feel whatever I'm going to have to feel when that happens. So can I reorient to my own, create my own safety, my own, like the, the stability within myself and come back to trust. Can I trust that I can handle it if my baby does die? It will fucking destroy me. Mm -hmm. And maybe I am meant to be destroyed by that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I am meant to have my entire world collapse and shatter around me in, in this way. And so many women have had this experience already. Um, maybe that is my path. Do I trust myself to navigate that? Do I trust that I can hold that? Do I trust that I can sit in that grief and feel that grief or that rage, that pain, whatever it is, this is unfair, this is wrong, whatever it is, can I trust myself enough to sit in it and to feel it and eventually start to rebuild from the ashes of everything that has just been burned to the ground. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, just fully receiving you in mm -hmm. all of that and feeling the level, not level, depth, mm -hmm. the depth of power pulsating through you and through your womb to be able to hold that paradigm mm -hmm. because that is a very deep and high level paradigm to be able to hold and to wade through and to and like that is the the liberation of like I will look at this mm. I will look at it I will not look away that this is a possibility and I will face what comes up in me through that even though probably even just touching it is excruciating mm. even just touching that possibility like I can feel in my body the like pain and grief and excruciating nature of even considering losing a child right yeah. let alone it happening but holding that and like that much trust in life in death in your baby in in the path like that is just such a yeah I just keep using the word deep but I can just see like the cords in your womb going all the way down to the womb of the earth to the womb of the mother and that level of trust and like what I'm feeling like I feel I feel the death mother here I feel the mother here just the mother right all of her faces and what how challenging it is to be able to hold the truth 
because the truth is so full spectrum and so intense, especially when we're saying this conversation of like death and pregnancy and these things. And that it's not something, you know, compassionately I understand that a lot of people are willing, a lot of women are willing to, to face and to look at. And what kept coming through when you were talking about it was like safety at all costs. Mm. And then that's what we see is like safety at all costs. Mm -hmm. And there is a cost to that. And one that, you know, you have obviously tuned into and chosen to not partake in and to not walk. And in that sacrificing on the altar, safety at all costs, you walk the wild way. You walk with death wrapped around you, you know, just as you're wrapped around in birth, like you have the mother fully wrapped around you and the mother is wild and feral and unhinged and unpredictable. That's why people are so afraid of her. You can't track her. You can't plan her. You can't be like, okay, this is exactly how it's going to go. And it's going to be perfect and neat. And, you know, Uh like you can't, she just like bleeds all over that, you know, eats it for breakfast. Like she just, you know, (laughs) she's like, nope, that's not, that's not how she operates. Mm -hmm. And to be able to walk that, not just in an embodiment as a woman, which is, is just challenging enough, but to hold that as a mother pregnant with a child and a life that is your responsibility to be able to also hold that level of trust and devotion in the face of that is a very deep embodiment and so just wanting to speak to that and like mirror that back to you mirror that back to you so that you can see yourself even more in that of like what it has taken for you and continues to probably take for you to hold that. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for that reflection. Um, Yeah, I really didn't know that I needed that. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that, yeah, for me, because I'm the one that's feeling the fear every single time it comes up. And I don't, the choiceless choice. I don't get to ignore it. <laughs> I, get, I won't let myself ignore it. Right. Um, so for me, sitting and feeling the fear every single time it comes up, I'm like, oh no, I'm still scared. Oh no, I'm still scared. Newsflash, I'm probably going to be scared as this baby's head is emerging into the world. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I'm going to be panicking and freaking out mm-hmm. in the session I yesterday I was talking about this fear and I was like I'm scared I'm gonna panic and she was like yeah you probably will expect to panic (laughs) um so for me yeah it felt it felt really great to to receive Mm -hmm. that reflection because it is really easy to get lost in oh there's still fear there's still fear there's still fear (laughs) um and can I expand to hold that that fear totally And knowing that the fear will always be a part of it. And, you know, like I said earlier, like, I don't have a fear of death, like meeting death, what happens after, I'm not afraid of that, but I am afraid of losing ones that I love. There is that organic fear, you know, I know that that will crumble me. You know, I, I like touch that like as my parents, for example, are getting older. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be rocked to my core and crumbled 
when they pass you know so they're I like feel fear feels like an organic response and respect to Mm. the power of the mother and the power of death of like no I'm not afraid of being wrapped in her arms but I am afraid of losing those that I love and losing that yeah and like being in that level of grief and I think that I always will Mm -hmm. you know and like meeting I love that that also was brought in with your session of like radical acceptance of what is with you might panic okay like how can we not make what we're feeling wrong yeah be like oh this is how I feel this is what's true so I'm just gonna be with that even though my brain goes I think I should feel this way or gosh I I should be done feeling this way it's like well that's not what's fucking here like what's here is I'm afraid okay so I'm just gonna like radically accept that I'm afraid and that I might be afraid a hundred times more and I'm just gonna keep meeting that and like that's it over and over meeting the truth over and over and over and it's usually not gonna look how we think that it should look or how we want it to look or feel like yeah. but that's that's the raw truth of of the mother of the path of devotion is just like looking in the face of truth whatever her face reveals mm. Mm. yep yep oh <laughs> i feel like that was a mic drop yeah okay. i'm like feeling like oh! <laughs> <laughs> powerful thank you thank yeah. you um yeah <laughs> And, and it's, it's so alive for me that like birth is the dance with death as well. And as you were sharing there, um, another thing that was said in my session yesterday was, um, you know, birth feels wrong. I'm doing air quotations again. Mm-hmm. It feels wrong. Mm. It feels like you are dying because parts of you are. And that's where so many women freak out and they're like I need somebody else to keep me safe because I feel like I'm dying and this doesn't feel right um and I really loved that reflection yesterday of like yeah you'll you'll probably think like something's wrong this feels wrong like I feel like I'm dying what's happening and uh a really beautiful tool she gave me was if when you feel like that not if when (laughs) when you um find three tangible things that are actually wrong. So whatever that is, I'm not going to give examples. That's not for this podcast, but find (laughs) physical, tangible things other than the feeling of this is wrong. And that felt so good. Like that's going to be such, I already know in my bones, that's going to be such an anchor for me Um, because I know my divine temper tantrums. I know that that (laughs) happens. And this is going to be the biggest divine temper tantrum of my life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to do this. This is scary. This hurts. This is hard. This feels wrong. Like, no, 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 no. Like I'm going to be in that temper tantrum state (laughs) and then I'll finally surrender to it, allow it to move through me, and then everything will continue unfolding. Um, so yeah, that just, that wanted to to come up and be shared. Um, wow, this has been, like, I knew, I knew, I knew this was gonna be good. <laughs> A wild feminine ride. Yeah, this has been 
so like soul fulfilling for me I feel mm. so guys I'm like I'm over here sweating me too <laughs> I'm like beet red I'm like whoo can like it's like pulsating through my body <laughs> yeah um this has just been uh, yeah like I am full to the brim I am overflowing um and it feels so incredible um so yeah, before we wrap up, is there any last things that you would like to say or share? Or yeah, if if um you you mentioned um your clients, if you want to share mm-hmm. like a, a little bit about the work that you do and how yeah. people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so my work is a lot in what we touched today. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really is the essence of, of what I do. It is, it is the heartbeat, the drumbeat of, of every way that I serve. And I have, I have multiple flavors that I serve in different ways. I dose the medicine to paste, depending on like, you know, who's, who's coming to my door and I have part online, part in person. So online, I do private mentorship containers with women long-term three to six to nine months. And that's for women who, who are on this path of devotion and and doing the deep feminine initiation walk and dance and whether it's a woman who's well seasoned and like in it and serving others all the way to a woman who stepped on yesterday or today you know like serving the full spectrum of of women wherever they're at to doing the deep the deep descent work and in the descent, you know, we we touch the ascent, we touch the highs and the joys and the gifts. But really, one of my main my main gifts is being able to be with someone in anything, mm. and no matter how deep, how raw, how dark, how intense, it it doesn't shake my nervous system. It doesn't shake me because my path has strategically prepared me in all of these intense flavors. There's nothing that someone could bring to me that would rock me that would be too much for me and so that level of holding like that's the essence of what I do is like really really deep space holding Mm. and in that you know like I have certain gifts and abilities that come in to serve and reflect and guide and hold and I have, you know, I serve as a medicine woman, a shamanic practitioner. So I also have multidimensional levels. Like I really can meet someone wherever they're at, um, whether it's very, very human or very, very psychic and multidimensional. Um, but I do, my, one of my highest joys is the private mentorship work just because it is so intimate and so long-term. And I'm like, we're really in a relate, it's an intimate relationship. We're in an intimate relationship. And with that long-term commitment, um, there's a lot of safety that's built over time for those deeper, deeper layers to come up. And it, it really is a space for women to become all that they are and to be held, held and met in what it takes to become all that you are. And so that is, yeah, like the the heartbeat of my, my online work. And I have sessions and, you know, single offs. And I am currently... I haven't told anybody else, so I'll tell you. I know, well, one sister knows, but I am currently in the process of building out an online community temple space with Ooh. a 
Yeah, with a private, it's a private platform off of social media where there will be three ceremonies a month, different calls will have different flavors and a group witnessing space. So where we show up to share the stories, the art, the experiences in being met in our paths of devotion and being met in these deeper, sometimes darker feminine realms where you know, I'll speak for myself and I see this in a lot of women, we yearn to be witnessed in our fullness and Mm -hmm. social media is not always the place to do that. And I know for myself, like if anyone goes on my social media, you see, I post once every like three months, you know, like I'm just not on social media because it just doesn't feel good for me. I just really don't enjoy it. But I yearned for this, like has been coming through for like a year and a half this to create this space but I've yearned to share and show up and be witnessed, but in a sacred private container with other women who can meet and receive at the same level. And so I'm in the process of, of building that out. It's called underbelly. Um, that's <laughs> Yeah. It's like basically the essence of everything we talked about today in a space of like, if you resonate with this, come be in the underbelly with me and like, let me witness you. <laughs> oh, gosh. yeah. And it's, it's, it's monthly. It's really accessible. And there's going to be like what I did in the saga gathering of like a lot of embodiment work and ceremony in the body. And so like accountability spaces for us to be in that together. And yeah, so that's coming, which I'm really, really excited about. So that, and then I live, I live in New Hampshire. I live in Southern Maine and I, I have hands-on work. I lay hands. I, I serve as a medicine woman. I sing and pray over people's bodies and I help them clear and purge things that aren't theirs. And I hold in really deep grief and I do medicine work. So I have, you know, like my in-person laying hands practice as well. Um, if anyone's local to New England, uh, <laughs> I do that in group spaces. But yeah, like this, this what we touched today and what I'm speaking is is the essence of, of my work and my offering to the world. Like my offering on the altar of life, my offering of service is is this and to bring bring the fullness because there's there's not a lot of spaces right now where we really can bring the deep the dark the intense the the full spectrum and like mm-hmm. I said earlier in my deepest moments of challenge and breakdown and the intensity of my path it's it's all just prepared me to be able to to hold this space and to serve my beloved fellow humans in this way and it, it really is my highest joy and greatest honor to to be in spaces with other people in this in this way so yeah that's that's the the essence of what I do if anyone feels you know called or resonant um I have that open and are is there a way for you to like drop my um, I'll put your um like contact details and your website cool. and stuff notes for everybody to see cool because my last name's like a little hard to spell and pronounce so I'll just let you leave it in the (laughs) yeah so yeah so that and just like currently feeling so oh just nourished nourished and like you said filled to the brim overflowing of like this conversation and 
yeah, to just be able to to drop into a space like this and to be able to to speak and go on the the feminine roller coaster and like wherever she she led and to talk about things that are hard and intense and can be challenging or triggering and just really being able to bring all of this has just like filled me up so so much and it is again like my my highest joy to be in these these kinds of conversations and to talk about these topics and they're just they're so important they're so important and so needed and yeah nourishing and permission slips and all and all of the things so thank you thank you for having me and letting me me speak and share and being in this conversation with me yeah oh I'm receiving that (laughs) and thank you so much like I said I knew this was gonna be good (laughs) exactly exactly Mm -hmm. so thank you for showing up thank you for sharing your voice thank you for Mm -hmm. your openness your vulnerability your willingness to be in this space um and to share in the way that you did and the (laughs) the messy the fluid the flowing the And of like we had no idea where this was gonna go but it went exactly where it needed to um and yeah it just feels amazing so mm. Mm. thank you mm, thank you so um, and yeah thank you to everybody who listened and tuned in and received there I feel like there's so much wisdom um offered up in in this conversation and so much Mm -hmm. to just become even um like intrigued by or curious about to to start to dive into certain things um, that were shared and brought up that maybe haven't been in in your sphere yet. So yeah, thank you to everybody listening and receiving this as always. Thank you for being here and supporting. Yeah, Mm. I will see you. (laughs) Well, I'll see you on Thursday and (laughs) back on the podcast uh, next week. So yeah. Thank you.